Carlos, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Matt? Are you gonna Are you gonna make an intro for the for the listeners, or are we gonna? Yeah, roll into let's that? do it. All right. So on today's pod, on today's pod, you're going to hear about Matt's ambitions and career goals as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, software engineer, and a huge growing trend where if you apply the right business idea or two, you could be surfing in money. Let's dive in. You like the wordplay? I do. I appreciate good wordplay. Yeah. Good good wordplay on podcasts is like good foreplay during sex. Ooh, okay. Foreplay was, for the ears. Yeah. That was, that was more wordplay. It's so meta. So meta. Yeah. Not Facebook. All right. Um, Not the ooh. holding company. Although we will talk about holding companies, it seems like. We, oh, we're on a roll. Man, I had an energy drink this morning. Um, I did a little workout earlier today, and I had a C4 energy drink just because I feel like my workouts have been slacking since having the baby. Actually, I haven't worked out at all. So today's the first workout I did in like three weeks. Um, yeah, and I feel good. I feel sharp um, and also pumped. That's interesting. I've never had a C4. Uh, I'm glad that you've got you got the workout in. I also got a not a workout, but a physical activity. And this morning, I went and hit golf balls at a uh, local indoor golf simulator place near my apartment. So, looks like How we both were active. Outdoor driving ranges. Outdoor driving ranges not often. There is one out. Uh, towards Long Island, that hmm. I like to go to. There's a um, Top Golf really deep on the island. We should do it sometime. We should. We've talked about that before. We absolutely will get. We'll we'll do that. Top Golf is, you know, it's it's not a place to go work on your golf game. It's a place to go, uh, have drinks and hit golf balls at the same time. It's like I've always thought of it as a driving range. Uh, plus a Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, I never, I've I've gone to driving ranges probably like 10 times, 12 times, never to work on my golf game because I'm not a golfer. I just go there to mash the ball as hard as I can, see how far I can hit it. I, it's, a slippery, it's a slippery slope though. Once you start mashing it really well, you're going to want to start hitting all their other golf clubs. And then all of a sudden you find yourself on the golf course and you've bought all this golf merchandise and and you're deep into it. So my, I think my record is 230 something yards. You can do good? more. No, you, you should be able to hit way more than that. I hit 270. Uh, maybe it was like, like the wrong club. Cause I'm using like the rented basic clubs. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weak. Who knows? No, you're not weak. It's definitely technique and form and maximizing your uh, speed. And mm. that's, that's all it is. You know, that's that's for another time. I'm sure you can definitely get way more than 230, Matt. All right. Well, we'll have to go then sometime soon. Uh, let's dive Wait, in. What do you think? I want to ask one quick question, though. All right. Go for it. C4. Why? What does it taste like? Why do you like it? Oh, my God. Uh, well, caffeine, number one, because of I feel fantastic on caffeine. Um, I'm... 
pretty big into like nootropics. So things like L-tyrosine and amino acids like that, that'll help like boost mental cognition. Um, that's in there. I actually, so I, for a while, I got away from pre-workout powders before workouts because I also enjoyed coffee. So I felt like I was doing too much caffeine, but I just recently ordered, uh, I don't know if you know, Derek from more plates, more dates, the pretty popular YouTube channel. He breaks down people's, uh, steroid cycles, whether or not they're on steroids. He's super knowledgeable. Anyway, he has his own supplement company. And he created, obviously, a pre-workout with his following, his massive following. His company, by the way, you want to put up a number, is doing over $100 million already. Um, And he broke down his pre-workout formula in a two and a half hour YouTube video, which no company does. And he went ingredient by ingredient and explained why and in what amounts and the science behind it, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, long story short. I trust him. I trust his research. I bought his pre-workout. I do not have it yet. It's arriving tomorrow. So I bought a C4, like a ready to drink. And yeah, I'm a caffeine junkie, man. I like being uh, on top of my A-game. Got it. So caffeine, you were influenced. And two and a half hours for a breakdown of a pre-workout routine? Yeah, it's called uh, Gorilla Mind. Yeah. Okay. And that he also goes into like, in-depth. yeah, it's very in-depth. He goes into like the chemical structures of the different things and he breaks down, uh, he doesn't call any company out by name, but he says like, you know, other supplement companies will have this much of this and here's why that's ineffective. And ha- here's how they're like scamming you to increase their margins. And it's like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, interesting. And he, he really breaks it down nicely. So he quite possibly has the best pre-workout on the market. People have said it's the best one they've ever had. Uh, And since we're talking about it, it's not just the caffeine for me. Like for me, the clarity, mental clarity, no brain fog and cognition after the workout is super important. Like I've had really strong workouts where I've taken pre-workouts and I'll be super tired after. And Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, if you're working out and then you're just dragging ass the rest of the day, what was the point? You know, so yeah, I like to get a good workout in and then I like to be like able to dive right into code and just firing on all cylinders. So amazing. Okay. That's good to know. I will check that out eventually, but thank you for that. Let's, let's dive in. Fantastic. All right. So I think the last time we left off, we were talking about, uh, or I mentioned having a career goal of having a publicly traded technology holding company. Um, And we said we would speak about it. So let's speak about it. Uh, That is my goal. I want a publicly traded technology holding company. Um, The reason is I often have a lot of ideas for softwares and just online things, tools, websites in general. And what better way to bring them to the market than to have a bunch of different LLCs, right? You have a parent holding company and I can get into some of the tax benefits, although consult a tax attorney, I am not a tax accountant or any of those things by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know very, very little about like some of the tax benefits to it. So the idea would be to have, so obviously we're building a, a platform right now for creators. So that's one, 
right? One separate app, tool, website, platform. That would be one subsidiary of the holding company. And then, um, you know, after you string together two, three, four, six, 40, I don't know how many, you, however many you have, they're under a holding company and you can take that public. So that's my goal. Um, yeah. What's your initial thoughts when you hear that? Highly ambitious. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of, you know, a lot of good work. work. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious how, like, what is your, what is your timeline on all of this? Like, what is, what do you think? How, how quickly do you think this will come into fruition? All right. So, I mean, right now I actually already have like a, a revenue stream from a product. I think we spoke about it in like the first episode. Yes. Small ish, but it's growing. And, uh, I think for the first couple of things I'm releasing and the product we're building in general, the goal is cash flow. Like without really good cash flow, free cash flow, it's hard to invest into other things, right? Like you can't um, deploy capital into the next project or the next project, or without really, really good cash flow, you can't, like, in my opinion, if you want to bootstrap, you can't shoot big. And I do have like one, uh, uh, an idea which I won't I won't dive too deep into now, but I do eventually want to take that big swing at the multi-billion dollar kind of company. Um, but the way I view it is I need cash flow. So for me, that's probably building, you know, one to three really good cash flowing businesses, um, employ or put in place a management team that can control that, grow it, et cetera, right? And then use cash like the free cash flow that I'm gaining, the dividends that that's kicking off to then go into the big idea phase of my career. Um, so yeah, that's it. I have one that's cash flowing a little bit right now. Uh, we're building a platform which actually can be pretty big in and of itself, like very big with a massive TAM. Yeah, I got off on a tangent there. That's the caffeine from the pre-workout, but what do you think? No, I mean it sounds great. It you know, it didn't. It sounds like it's it, the timeline's kind of TBD, uh, ideally, oh, quickly. Timeline. But yeah, I was you know what what. It's a hard question to answer because you really don't hard. know a lot of a lot of balls in the air. Um, yeah, but you know, I you would hope it, this could take a lifetime to build. You know, this could take. Well, yes. So the holding company itself. This isn't like some right. We're talking fluffy... about the holding company. Yeah, this isn't some like fluffy uh, dreamer BS that a lot of people spew. Like, I want to do, like, I'm viewing this as like my life's work. You know, I'm not talking about like, I'm going to have a publicly trading holding company in four years. Like, I, yeah, this, this may not happen for like 20 years, but all the while in the background, I'll have been building, you know, successive platforms or tools. So, why? Why may I ask why a a holding company what ins- like what inspired you to what it what 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 makes you make that the aspiration as opposed to just uh going public with a company you build one company that you build from the ground up which is you know a common that is more a, of a common aspirational goal for a lot of entre- entrepreneurs and, and, yeah. and tech tech so- people 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to No, I was going to ask like what, you know, are there holding companies that you look to that inspire you that you say, "Oh, that's what I want to build to to have." Uh or is it really just, you know, broadly speaking, conceptually this is this is how I can control my money or build wealth yeah, and, and stuff. That's essentially essentially what it is. I like investing. Um and I actually in the market boom and bust of covid i made a lot of money and then i lost a lot of money and then i realized man in the stock market you're not really in control unless it's your thing your company right and i'm also super creative i like building so i'm really good at building like you can literally uh kind of describe anything you want to do me and i can go off and build that thing so it's a way to deploy my creative energy um yeah, I mean, maybe one day I will have a single company that's publicly traded. I don't know. Maybe the holding company isn't public. Maybe it's just privately held and it kicks off dividends and to all the shareholders. And yeah, who knows? Publicly is like a the term public is neither here nor there. I guess maybe it's privately mm-hmm. held. We'll see. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you are interests and in, and in, in your 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 trading skills and history is what you know has driven you to to kind of this decision to to this decision right to to this aspirational goal um it makes a lot of sense i you know i personally don't dive into the stock market too much other than what's in my um retirement fund and stuff um i have someone else help me with that um that's a whole world that I am I have very few little very little domain knowledge of and love to to learn more from you or from someone else uh eventually. But yeah. Yeah. The stock market for me, I found it was just you're really gambling, right? Like you're picking you're trying to pick winning lotto tickets. Um yeah, you're making bets, but you're making very educated bets based on you would think factors. you're making educated bets. Okay, you but think you, have, you are. Yeah. Yeah, you have no control over the market as a whole, like all the people, all the players in the game, right? So, it's tr- it's tough. Obviously, it's tough. there's very successful traders, investors. You know, we, you and I, recently decided that we will do deep dives, a deep dive, deep dive, deep dive episodes on very specific topics. I would love to put the GameStop saga from. January of 2021 on uh on the board for the for a deep dive episode just to kind of rehash yeah. it and, and 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 dive into it maybe that's a bit of a tangent but putting that out there yeah well I mean that for the listeners yeah write it down I think that's a good one maybe we could um the guy uh, I forgot his name but he went by deep fucking value on reddit he uh he was very smart he saw something that not a lot of other people were seeing. He capitalized on it early. And by the time it burst, obviously he uh, got very, very rich in the process. So kudos to him. But yeah, that'd be a cool deep dive episode. I know quite a bit about it as I was super active. I actually, um, this is going to sit. I owned, so right after the GameStop thing, AMC blew up. I don't know if you remember yes, that. I do remember that. I owned... 30,000 shares of AMC at like $2. 
and I sold it at $4 right before it went to 40. Oh yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. That'd been a lot there's of money. No, uh, there's no way you would have known that it would have gone to 40 though, right? I no, I, I don't think I would have known it would have popped like that, but I I definitely missed out big. I mean, what is that like 40 times 30,000? Is that like $1.2 million or something stupid like that? Yeah. So, oh, well, yeah, that's painful. That's, that's, that, that should be part of the dive, the deep dive. But anyway, yeah. back to the topic at hand, the holding company. So you, you've got, you know, you've talked to me about the why, I guess. Right. So like how, how are you, how are you getting there? What's the, what's the roadmap, Matt? Yeah. So right now, obviously I'm employed. I have a job that kind of sucks. No, no. Well, let me back up. The job does not suck. I enjoy my job. I, um, it sucks that I can't just do my own thing and code all day long. Um, so I have this one small tool kicking off some profit. Let's call it fifteen hundred a month. It's not enough to live off of. Um, the plan is to build a second, both to be cash flowing some amount of money where I can free myself from having to work for other people, and then just write code for my own two things. Grow those much, much, much larger. Those two things alone. Um, and once you have a bunch of cash flow, just keep the ball rolling. So that's the how. The idea is to build a war chest, essentially, of capital and keep it going, keep investing in new ideas. I have a personal list in my notes app on my iPhone of probably 30 different business ideas. That does not mean I'm going to start all of them. It's just ideas that I've looked at, markets I've researched, and I'm like, damn, I could do something here. And I could build something like really cool here too. So... Right now I have, let's say tool A that's kicking off 1500. Tool B is in the works, which is the platform me and you are building. Um, there's a third one, which I would do probably after B is uh, stable, successful and growing. Sure about that sometime in the future, maybe two years from now, once our platform is, you know, moving smoothly. Um, yeah, that's the how. There's a bunch of tax benefits to this. If you want to dive into that, I can dive into what I know. I can't necessarily go too deep into like the details because again, not a tax accountant. Please don't take my word for it. Consult somebody. Are you interested in that? Tax stuff? Yeah. Sure. I would love to uh, take advantage of the tax system. Not advantage. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Right. Um Tax benefits. Yeah. No, I love learning about tax benefits. <clears throat> yeah. Um, cool. So I, I, how about we just do one quick example so we don't drag on too long about taxes since we're not accountants. But let's say you have three subsidiary LLCs under a parent company. Okay. So you have three LLCs and each has $10,000 in profits, which they would have to pay taxes on. Right. Mm -hmm. What you could do is you can pass those $10,000 from each of the three up to a parent company, the holding company, as a management expense, right? So parent company charges subsidiary child company management fees of, let's say, $10,000, because that's a totally normal thing. 
the child company writes off the management fee expense as obviously a business expense, a viable legal business expense. So now LLC one, two, and three no longer have to pay taxes because they've no longer have profits. They have expensed, they have expenses that match their profits. They are at zero. And then the parent company now who collected these management fees can then take deductions against their revenue. So you can actually take, for instance, um, if you employ your children, which you can do legally, um, you can take up to the standard deduction per child. I, I don't know what the number is. It's like 12,000 something dollars per child, whatever. So you could see how you could start to write off deductions against the money you just pulled up to your parent company. Another interesting thing you could do, by the way, just a brief pause to say that if you hear knocking, banging, sawing, I have work going on in my basement. There are contractors down there right now, so bear with me. Um, another thing you could do is if your parent company or a company in your portfolio of companies, let's say, is a marketing agency or a engineering agency, right? That agency can build something for LLC1 and charge them, essentially. So let's say a platform you've just built costs $200,000. That's an expense to LLC1 because they had to pay for that. And it's uh, revenue to parent company or LLC X, Y, or Z. There's a lot of uh, games you could play here, but legal games. And while I don't know everything, I have spoken to my own personal accountant, and there are a lot of benefits which I intend to use to my advantage to keep building. I'm sure you know about like That's the vehicle, the vehicle excuse me. deductions. Yeah, and stuff. Like no, that. I've I've taken that deduction. I've you know all those things that you listed are. Uh, some of them I'm aware of. You can do certain things with having a holding company of LLCs or like a a, a trust or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, have uh, have thought about it as well for my own personal ventures. Um, not a, not a big holding company like as you described, but employing your kids. I've heard of that one before. You know, employing your children. There's the the rob the probate or something like the, I forget the words, but but um, a lot of benefits there. Yeah, maybe we don't spend too much more time on taxes so that we don't no yeah <laughs> yeah Pete, they're gonna be like um, oh boring. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly going to be people interested in this topic, right? Um, yeah. Also, I think the 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 thing to note that I always think back to about taxes is that it is designed for entrepreneurs, right? It is designed for people like the U.S. tax code and the way that it's set up. It's 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 benef it benefits people who start companies um, because you know America capitalism building things encouraging people to build things that's kind of one of the core tenets of this country and i you know it seems to me based on my basic understanding of the tax system that like that's how what it's designed for so i think you outlined be... a lot of specific things that like you know come from that 
tenant from that ideal. Um, a lot of people I don't really realize that and take advantage of it. It would be really uh, interesting to get uh, someone super knowledgeable in this space on as like an interview guest. What do you think? Would you be interested in that? Absolutely. I think that would be very valuable for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. You and people me should be included. educated here. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Because I'll hear something and then you'll have to re-explain it to me if, like three days later. But especially related to taxes. I do. I do. I have an account I'm going well. to switch though. I found someone uh, a little more knowledgeable. So I think. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if you're going to, you know, once you start really getting, getting the ball rolling on this holding company, you're going to need someone who's a little more specialized in that realm, I, yeah. I assume, as opposed to any personal taxes and such. Right. I mean, I have a consulting company. I have a consulting LLC and my accountant is, uh, she's, she's kind of specialized in that, um, for those people, for people like myself who are having solo consulting LLCs and, um, yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to have someone specialized in knowing and knows what you're, you know, what you're doing. It's not the standard, like, um, you know, nine to five job and you're getting the, what is it? 1092. What is, is that? What uh, the, the thing is when you're, that? when you're a contractor, I think no, when you're not, Oh yeah. That's the contractor. But when you're just a regularly, regularly employed person, W2? the W2, see, I've already forgotten. It's been a few years and I don't even know what the, the thing is anymore. Right. Anyway, All right. uh, anything else on the holding company that you want to, you want to make sure you note? Uh, no, nothing more. Let's uh, let's roll on. Surf on, surf on. All right, I'm gonna put up a number now. Let's uh move on to my segment where I'm gonna put up a number. Matt, uh, my number is one million. The number, and that's the number of U.S. surfers. Uh, that have the increase in the number of U.S. surfers from 2019 to 2022. Matt, have you ever been surfing? I've not, and I'm actually also afraid to. Not afraid. I'm afraid. That's I am afraid of going in beach water. I wa- have seen many videos of shark attacks, and I'm not interested in being eaten. Um, so no, I have not surfed. I probably will never surf. But that is a big increase. It is a big increase. But wait, you don't like going to the beach? Are you? I you used like to going love to going beach? to the beach. You don't, so now you don't. So, and you don't want to go in the water. Yeah. If I can't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm being paranoid. But if I can't, so here on Long Island, we have Jones Beach. The water is kind of dark. You can't see below like two inches once you're in the water. And I need to know what's swimming near me. I mean, even if a shark was near me, I can't get away from it probably, but you know, it makes it a little more scary when you can't see to the floor. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's their world and I'm not trying to swim in it. I watched a horrible video the other day, but maybe we'll save that for later. Go on. I don't want to interrupt shark, you. Put up a number. Shark attacks are, I think a whole nother episode, especially in 2023. I think there've been more attacks on humans which is rare or like it doesn't always happen but for whatever reason is it is... is it rare or is it due to the increase in surfers it's a good maybe question correlated. maybe but anyway yes back to the surfers and the increase of uh one million from 2019 to 2022 so this 
That, that number I came across, this comes from an article in The Atlantic. It's called A Single Website Has a Chokehold on Surfing. An article by Caroline Mims Nice. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Nice, nice, N-Y-C-E. Um, really good article. Highly recommend that you give it a, uh, Google it and give it a read. So in the article, she describes, or, you know, it, it talks about how the interest in surfing, this this new interest in the last, you know, three, four years is in large part due to this subscription media business uh, that offers 24-7 predictions for surfing for, for breaks around the world called Surfline. That's the, the subscription media business, Surfline. So they offer surf conditions around the world. What they have is a network of over a thousand cameras to to bolster those forecasts. Um, Surfline gets millions of visitors every month uh, who use it to surf. The article, the article talks about this guy who, when he first saw the camera at a beachfront property near where he surfs, um, it was like on a pole. He was like, "Fuck this," you know. Oh no, I hate this. Like, and then a month later, he's using it. Right? He's on Surfline to look at the 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 surf, the breaks, because that's you know, it's good. It's a good resource, right? Um, but yeah, it, it it people like him, you know, OGs surfing surfer OGs, uh, they have a love hate relationship with it, right? Because like they they have they they see the value of it, they get benefit they benefit from it, but then. You know, they're also it also um, exposes or, or or you know brings to light all of these surf spots that that were closely guarded. Um, like you know, you kind of have you know if you know if you know, right? If you kind of earn your way to to knowing where these spots are and going with these surfers that know what they're doing, you know, know what they're talking about, and and know how to ride the waves out there. I guess. I, I personally have never been surfing, so I, I really don't know um, uh, what that's like. But um, yeah, so I think that's fascinating. Like this whole, you know, subscription media business, Surfline, um, really uh, killing the buzz for a lot of these surfers. Um, the network of a thousand cameras, you know, that kind of infrastructure is very fascinating to me. Like to have that as part of the, the business and the value that that the, the business offers. Um, what do you what do you think about all that, Matt? Are you what do you think about Surfline? Surfline's awesome. Gatekeepers in the surfing game suck. I understand why they wouldn't want five hundred people trying to surf one wave. That'd be pretty annoying. But if you're trying to you know keep people out of the hobby, um, you suck. Stop doing that. I don't like gatekeepers. Um, an increase of a million. I mean, there's probably a bunch of businesses someone could start around this. I think it's good. I think it's good overall for surfers in general. There's going to be, you know, when you have a big increase like that, I think it leads to better technology, better surfboards, better surfing gear, better because people start putting their brains together and they try to see what they could build here to improve it. So move aside gatekeepers and let people in. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the you know the old guard, the gatekeepers, it's it's all. You, you don't want to block progress. You don't want to have a fixed mindset about things, as much as, you know. I think the surfing community, you know, likes to 
think they do. Yeah, growth mindset, definitely what you want to have. Um, and as you alluded to, a lot of emerging, and it's an emerging market and a lot of opportunities there to to capitalize on. Um, you know, I make the comp to pickleball. Pickleball is another emerging sport, um, a, a way more accessible than surfing. Um, probably a lot of other, uh, or there's obviously a lot more places you can play pickleball across this country. Um, but there's probably also like, like I'm aware of a indoor surf place, uh, just outside of New York city in New Jersey, um, uh, where huge pool, artificial wave maker, right? Like, yeah. Have so you, you don't need a coast is my point. <laughs> have you heard of a company called Swimply? Yes, it is the. If we're talking about, if we're thinking about the same thing, it's a, it's a company. It's like Airbnb for pools. Yes, and they've expanded into pickleball, and yeah, what do you think about that? I, such an interesting business. Wait, I'm, I wasn't aware that they expanded into pickleball. Are they? So then, I'm assuming that they find pickleball courts, and you can book pickleball courts through Swimply. Because it used to be just pools. From yeah, was... so I think they need a different name because it's misleading. Like if I'm looking for pickleball and you're swimply. But yeah, I mean, the idea of Airbnb for like things you can do throughout the day. Like if I wanted to put a batting cage for baseball players on my property and then rent it out to players throughout the day, that's something they could add. That's a service they can add because batting cages are notoriously hard to find. They're usually, you know, two 50 miles apart and they're either overcrowded or they suck. There's not enough space in them, et cetera. So just the idea of a Airbnb for like hobbies or like hobbies where you train at something or relax, that's kind of cool. Where you need specialized facilities, right? Yeah. Unlike, I mean, you know, golf and a driving range, as we were talking about earlier, although those are much more prevalent, it seems like, yeah. as compared, like as opposed to batting cages. I agree. That makes like Airbnb for things a lot makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially if that company, the Airbnb for X, provides the legal cover and the other like, you know, easy onboarding. Like I don't have to worry about um uh liability stuff, you know? For yeah, if someone course, breaks like, their ankle on my pickleball pickleball court, that's on has to be on them. Like I'm not gonna go and get liability insurance. Right. That would exactly. be a deal breaker for me. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I can see it working, which, you know, you got to sort that out. But um, probably, yeah, probably something similar for surfers. Well, okay. Let me back up. There isn't something like that for surfers, unless you own beachfront property, right? That That's probably the, the way that that would work. But there's probably not right. enough people like who, one, own beachfront property with surf, and two, would, you know, use, a swimply like you know airbnb for surfers type of service um so, the idea though of like indoor surf places right if there is this demand i'm sure there's more than i than you think i actually didn't even think about looking that number up like trying to find out how many of these facilities exist i can't imagine that there's a lot yeah um, across the across america so I have two questions. One, yes. I want to talk about maybe a business idea you would start here to just capitalize on the sheer increase of surfers 
my brain's immediately going to like newsletter or something of the sort, but I'm curious what you think. And two, I think it's super interesting, like these specialty service hobby kind of things like axe throwing, indoor surfing, batting cages. I have an idea. This is actually on my idea list of things I would love to start. I'm not going to share it just yet, but <sighs> I do want to talk about it at some point. And I think it would crush. Like, I think it would, I think it could go across uh, the country and become like a franchisable thing. But anyway, business ideas. What would you do here? A million new surfers. I mean, my instinct and gut first reaction is e-commerce and uh, excess, like the accessories, the accoutrement. Um, wetsuits is probably the most, um, you know, obvious thing to like build a brand around, a, around of like, um, offering cool, I don't know, some, some unique and desirable wetsuit, uh, something for an Apple watch, something like I'm thinking, you know, what is, what is it that the server is going to want to use, um, that either exists or it doesn't exist yet. Um, something to track your surfing stuff, you know, like a whoop for surfing. Right. Um, so a bit of development there, of course, um, newsletter is something that you can stand up really quick, relatively quickly, right. Some, some content, uh, and, and, and generating opt-ins, like getting, getting email addresses and, and, and serving them some kind of value in their inbox regarding surfing. I'm sure that exists as well. If not, like, yeah, that some one of those uh, surfing newsletters is almost certainly growing given the million increase. But I mean, just like in the golf world, that's another comp I was going to make here. Uh, golf boomed during COVID, uh, the interest in golf, and subsequently, like all the golf brands that offer the accessories and the 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 merchandise the clothes the apparel uh for the sport i think i see opportunity to do that with surfing as well um yeah that's 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 what i would do i i think that's a little you know i think that'd be fun to to kind of figure out what what that would be again a lot more development than just you know creating a a newsletter or some kind of SaaS or software or something like, you know, digital as opposed to like yeah. e-commerce. Yeah. And now the more that I think about it, maybe Surfline does have like a chokehold around like the content side of this. Cause if they already have the live video streams, why wouldn't you just join a forum or their newsletter or, you know? Yeah, that would make sense. I didn't even check it out. If they have a newsletter, I'm sure they do. Obviously they would, right? Like get your, you know, get the get the info in your inbox every morning as opposed to finding like that makes certain, a lot of sense um that's not to say though that you can't do it right you can't have a competing uh surfing content right. distribution platform newsletter social media etc um but i you know that's for the surfing sickos it's like i i don't like to i'm not going to pretend i am but um i think you can find, you know, you, you you can find like what is fashionable, what's desirable, and you know, start slinging that. 
the merge game. The merge game is, you know, I think that's something quick, like a quick capital, like not quick, excuse me, like to capitalize on the moment, right? I think. How would you feel about something? And I don't know how much you could dive into here. I know you work for a client in the golf space and they have kind of like this brand thing going on for golfers. How would you feel about, if you want to mention them, go for it. If not, fine. But something like a brand around surfing similar to what they got going on. So I yeah, I'm happy to men to shut them out. Uh shout out No Lang Up, golf media company. Um the thing about No Lang Up is that they have a podcast that reacts to the world of golf. And the world of golf is PGA Tour, you know, the DP World Tour, formerly the European Tour, and of course Live Golf, as well as all the other news in golf, which there's the amateur events. Um, there's the Ryder Cup that's upcoming. It's run not by the PGA Tour, but by the Professional Golfers Association of America, like the, the Professional Golfers Association of America. Anyway, point is, is that obviously there's a surfing tour and I guess you could, I'm, I'm assuming there's a surfing podcast for that. I don't know the frequency of that tour. I don't know. Like, I don't think the, and maybe this is just my ignorance, but the, the, like, the critical like the surfing tour or the surfing competitions they haven't reached a critical mass that like professional golf has so right i don't i don't think it's like yeah you could start a brand and maybe the interest is growing cuz clearly the number of us surfers has increased in the last 4 years so maybe they you know i don't know it's i don't i don't think i would create a brand around it personally but I can mm-hmm. see one. I can see one coming up. Right. Did the article you got this number from allude to why there was such a sharp increase? Um, they linked to the source from where that number came from, and I didn't dive deep into that source. So, no. But I assume a big part of it has to do with COVID. I assume it's like get outside, find something else to do that's outside, which is the same reason golf boomed. One of the big reasons golf boomed during COVID. So, you know, 19 to 22, like what happened in those years, you know? Right, right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting one. That's a very interesting trend. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like if there were like suddenly a million more baseball players. I don't even know how you would track that. So, you know, surfing is interesting, right? Unlike baseball, surfing is something that you can go out and do by yourself. Not to say that you can't play baseball by yourself. You can go to batting cages, I guess. You can throw a ball against the wall, as I see a lot of people do. Not a lot, but I see people do that here in New York City, right? Throw it up. Uh, not exactly a baseball, but something a little softer that they throw against the wall and then maybe field react to it, you know, but it's like golf is something else that you could do by yourself. Um, pickleball, you can't, but there's a lot of retirement company. My point here is that like, what's another sport you do by yourself? Bowling, basketball, team sports that you can play by yourself. Yes. Basketball. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's like there's something to be said about the the 
the activity that you go off and do um, within yourself. Like, obviously, you're not going to always play golf by yourself. I rarely, these days, I, you know, I always have something to play with, um, you know, play alongside with. But if I didn't, and I just wanted to show up to an empty golf course by myself, I could still go out there and do that, you know? So I, I think my point is like surfing as well, right? There's something to be said about like that kind of activity that is um, uh, motivating someone to, you know, be interested in, to like drive their interest even deeper uh, because it's like, I can do this on my own time. Um, I can make the time for this. I don't see then baseball and even golf. I mean, even basketball, you know? Um, so yeah, that's something I, I often think about. It's like, you know, growing up to play hockey even, right. You need, you kind of need, you know, the team sports, you need someone to like really enjoy it with, and you find those, you absolutely find those. Right. But then you got to revolve around that schedule, like soccer, for example, you know, a lot of guys will want to play soccer, but they got to find a pickup game or join a recreational league. And then all of a sudden, like your schedule kind of revolves around that. And if you're passionate, if you're a true sicko, you know, you're really into it. You're going to, you're going to, um, you're going to make that time, right. You're going to prioritize that and actually like, and then it's probably even better. Cause like you've all prioritized it, you know, you all, you've all agreed to meeting at 9 PM on the soccer field over here, you know, it, you know, on the East side of Manhattan, you know, to play, you know, while the kids, you know, that's the only time you got the field and yeah. it's after everyone's work. So that's probably in my opinion, like the best thing about organized sports after a certain age, like I don't have a really another time outside of like big events, like a baby shower or something like that, where you really gather with 10 of your closest friends. So like when I was playing baseball, it would be weekly. You know, every week we would meet at this time and all 10 of us or 20 of us, whatever it was. Friends are hard after 30. Yeah, adult friendships. Uh, it's something. Although I will say I have made some good, like really deep, like true adult friends on the golf course after 30. Because um, this is just a lot of time to talk, walk and talk. And how much I, I think we're running a little long here, but I do have a very pressing question. I meant to ask you this every single pod you've ever brought up golfing, <laughs> which is quite a lot, I think, out of like the the you know seven or eight that we've done so far. Yeah. I've probably mentioned golf like in half at least half of them. But yes, let's let's end on this question. How much business have you witnessed happen on a golf course, if any? Me personally, like very little. No um, overhearing of conversations, whether at on the holes or in the bar inside or something. If that's a thing. So honestly, no, I very little, like I, I can't think of a time where I've witnessed business on the golf course. Um, I'm sure it has happened and I just don't remember it or I didn't recognize it at the time. Um, probably almost certainly when I was, a caddy and not playing growing up. I caddied at a golf course in Connecticut, um, caddied there for like mm. 15 years. And so again, I wasn't playing. I'm just one of the service people helping, you know, carrying two golf bags while rich white guys 
you know, are walking the fairways together and having and like talking about stuff that like I just didn't care about, didn't listen to. You didn't um, pay I attention just... to any of that? There might have been like some massive insight there. I mean, at the time, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old me, like just didn't really care. Uh, 35 year old me now would care uh, to listen in. I, you know, there were definitely some titans in the industry because this was Greenwich, Connecticut. So, you know, oh a lot of Carlos, what a missed opportunity, dude. I mean, I did, you know, um, make some connections. One of the uh, nice older gentlemen was a college recommendation for me. He wrote a letter on my behalf. Um, but that's that was my interest, right? At the time, it wasn't like, oh, you know, how 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 do I grow my my software business? How do I, how do I like, you know, get capital, right? It's not, those aren't the pressing questions in my mind when I was eight, 17, 18, 19, right? Um, I also just wanted to like make some money and like get out of there because <laughs> like it was a job. I wasn't trying to, you know, I wasn't playing golf despite being on a golf course and wanting to play. Um, so yes, almost certainly there was business happenings while I was caddying, but in my adult life, like I, I don't go on out. I don't go to like, I don't entertain clients on the golf course. I, I probably should. Uh, that's something I'd like to do in the future. I have gone on business expense, business golf trips, but the business is done off of the golf course and the golf is just kind of attached. Like, you know, it's just like, it's like a, uh, a thing in the background. They're not having a meeting on the course, right? Mm. Actually, sometimes we are. Yeah, let, let me take that back. There is, there has been a couple of times where I've discussed things on the golf course, but you know, we're trying to, you know, it, it's, 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 it, we're saving it for, for the end when we can sit down and actually talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, you hear about all these like wheeling and dealings, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't see that personally. Yeah. I think that stuff might be a little more old school, right? Yeah. Where a little more old school when there's less email, there's, you know, more phone calls, right? Like older guys who like, you know, you're, 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 you're with someone for four and a half hours, assuming that you're mm -hmm. playing full 18 holes. And there's a lot of talk in between golf shots, right? You, so, yeah, sorry. Also, on. also, I'm sorry. One more thing. There are certain industries where this happens a lot. Insurance. I, I'm very aware that insurance, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing. Uh, on the golf course, a lot of a lot of really good golfers are like what we cons what we call mid amateurs or mid ams, which is anyone twenty five and older. And there actually is a championship for mid ams. It's like considered its own category. So basically, you're not in college, like you're not a college kid. You're not a young college kid. It's like it's like the 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 guys and the women and the men and women with nine to fives, maybe families and kids, but like that level. Like if you're, you know, a good golfer at that level, like there's a championship for them. So mid-amps, like the guys who are good, right, are guys who, most of them are like insurance agents. Like I think that's kind of the stereotype because you, you're like, you're told to go play golf. Mm. Like that's part of your job. So it's not like you're told to go play golf, but like golfing is a big, you know, it's part of the tapestry of your career. Such an interesting topic. So you mentioned, uh, all right, last thing, you mentioned titans of industry. Do you recall anyone in particular who you caddied for? Um, 
I can recall names. I can't remember what they did. Yeah, like what the specific. I mean, like a lot of finance for sure, um, mm -hmm. and banking institutions that I'm not going to name, and I'm not going to name anybody's name either. Some media icons as well, or not icons, excuse me, media execs. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you were telling me about uh, Jamie Diamond. That's that's cool. That's a good one. Jamie yeah, Diamond for the, the CEO of Chase. That that's awesome. No, I never caddied for Jamie Diamond. Oh, I thought you told me that. No, I may have mentioned Jamie Diamond in another context, but I never caddied for Jamie Diamond. I did. I used to work in the background. I just made that up. He did, he never told me that. I'm <laughs> I'm just trying to pry information here. Um basically, if you're not a caddy, you or like another job in the golf course is like the bagroom slash cart barn. And it's just someone who like gets the bag. Um, so I did like, this was in, I think like 2008 or nine, uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, mm. and his son. I, I did like help them with their bag. His son, well, what Andrew the heck were they talking about? They had to have been talking about some interesting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You just didn't let's care. Not deep, let's not go deep into there. But like, I didn't go with them on the golf course again. As, oh, okay. As a, as a as a bagroom boy, bagroom guy, like you just help get their golf bag out of the car and put it on a cart, or like you clean their clubs at the end of the round and you put it away in the storage room if they have it, if they keep it at the golf course. So his son Andrew is a really good golfer. He played at Duke, like D one at Duke University, uh -huh. and I think he even tried to go professional for a while. Um, so or is a professional. I'm not sure. You were a caddy in a very expensive business where a lot of rich people enjoy the sport. In arguably one of the richest zip codes in America, Greenwich, Connecticut. Correct. Were you making really good tips? Yes. Like what was like average? So this is, mind you, like 2000. So, you know, between 2005 and actually I carried it up until uh, 2019, uh, but per bag. So you can usually carry two bags and basically you get like between um, seven, like 75 to $80 per bag for 18 holes. Um, so obviously that, that, that scale increased over time, but it was like, you can make like, you know, 150 bucks for four hours of work. If I remember that correctly, I think now it's like a hundred dollars a bag. Meaning if you carry two bags, four hours, you get four and a half hours, you get, you know, 200 bucks plus whatever tip, you know? And then like, that's just normal days. Towards the end of my caddying career, because uh, I don't caddy anymore, because my summers are just too busy. But I would only like they would the the club would only call me up for the big tournaments, and those get paid out pretty well, right? Especially if your guys perform well. You recall any like tip you got where you were like, "What the hell? This is out of the ordinary." Guy just gave me two thousand dollars. No, nothing wild like that. No, but I mean, I did make four figures for 
three days of work uh, at the very last event I caddied for because it was the member guest tournament and uh-huh. I caddied for the championship winning team. And it's two guys, member guests is two, two guys, right? Over three days. It's a lot of golf. So it wasn't just three rounds. It was actually more than three rounds. I forget exactly how many holes it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest payout I got from one event. I believe if I remember correctly, you know, you know, I, I used to be a caddy when I was 16. I don't, I, I don't to, think I knew that. Yeah. I used to caddy pizzas. Um, so I would carry pizzas for people. Uh, you were a pizza she, caddy. Yes. A pizza delivery boy, but I was trying to find a very good way to say it. A nicer, cooler way to say it. I was a pizza caddy boy. Um, and I once got a $40 tip on a nice. one pizza pie delivery. I was like, huh, interesting. Kind of made my week, not going to lie. 16-year-old, 40 bucks. It's pretty good. That is really good. It's amazing. Very generous. Very generous. Yeah, because I, I would imagine that pizza The was... order was like 16 bucks or something cheap. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like 2x of what the... The cost yeah. of the pizza was right, like they gave me like sixty dollars. Yeah, two hundred percent. I was like, "Damn, okay." Must have been having a good day, that guy, yeah. that person, whoever you delivered to. He really wanted that pizza. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Uh, all right, all right, Matt. Well, that was a good episode. That was fun. I'm sorry about your all the noise on your end. Are you honestly, we couldn't hear it, I, barely. Um, oh yeah. I mean, like on my end, I'm sure. I think it'll be interesting to listen back and see how much we hear. I've been clicking the little red button here to like turn on and off my microphone. Yeah. I I forgot real loud, but all right, cool. Interesting pod. I hope it was interesting. Subscribe. I, we have to come up with like a really good outro. I kind of wrote one, but it kind of sucks. So I'm not going to say it. Just subscribe to the pod and see you later. Peace. Boom.